Welcome back, everyone, to the weekly Real Japan podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Feg. And as we do every week, we'll be bringing you the latest headlines and other strange stories that we've found in the rough from Japan. But first, we'll see what Ferg has been doing for the past week. Yes. So, big week this past week. Oh. Happens once a year, and it's always a big event. I got the good old Kotatsu out. Oh, boy. It's, <laughs> it's getting colder, and it's time for the Kotatsu. For listeners that aren't aware, it's a, like, a table with a small heater stuck on the under- underside of it. And a sort of blanket or futon that goes around the table. So you can put your legs underneath the blanket and be nice and cozy from the small heater stuck on the underside of it. That can't Are you be a... good for you, man. What? What's wrong with that? Blasting heat rays from a heater <laughs> about 10 centimeters away from your bare legs. What's wrong with that? Uh, first of all, like, isn't isn't that like bad for your uh your man parts? You know, <laughs> have radiation hitting you. Who knows? I hope not. It's certainly nice and cozy. Yeah, well, that and then the so your your lower body's warm, but then your upper body's still freezing. Yes, like, sir. I, don't, I don't think your body. I don't think your body likes that. Yeah, that's why people say you shouldn't have, you shouldn't go to sleep in it, right? Because apparently it's easy to catch cold in the kotatsu. Mm. Probably because, as you say, your upper body is, it's kind of cold, I guess. Yeah, but um, so if it wasn't obvious from my statements, uh, I'm not a fan. You're not. It is super cozy. It, it is, but I. Like just just turn on the heater, bro. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a real sort of stereotypical image of like Japanese winter, and especially around New Year's, right? Or everyone sitting yeah. around the kotatsu, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably eating, you know, satsumas like small oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, just go for it. I say it's good, especially if you have um, tatami floors. Then yeah, that's yeah, good. that's true. That's true. It, it yeah. definitely works better with uh, tatami. Yeah. Mm. Although you know, on in my house, I just have it on a rug, and it works fine like that. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> Doesn't sound like you'll think about it for very long. But no, yeah, I didn't think about it for very long. I think I'm already done thinking about it. <laughs> How was your past week? Uh, my past week is um, I went to a piano recital. Oh, very nice. Yeah, which was uh, it was just interesting because you know with the whole COVID thing, right? You know, large gatherings and whatnot. Mm. But so they had temperature checks at the door, and uh, you, know, you had to wear a mask. Obviously, use the use the sanitizer. Yes, that kind sir. of thing. Yeah, but um, I'm I haven't gotten sick yet so and was it like everyone people sat next to each other or is it like an empty seat then you know uh, people sitting in 
kind of like every other seat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah every other seat was uh, mm. uh empty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was a. Uh, I mean, it was it was nice to have something like that where um, because I think for the better part of 2020, I mean, the things like that weren't even an option. So it was kind of nice. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. As you said, not really an option back around the first half of this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? When we look back on 2020 and think that was the year when no one really did anything because we were all cooped up inside, terrified yeah, know, of the right? virus. Yeah. Although, I mean, if, uh, possible that for the better half of next year as well we're not it's still going to be kind of more of the same yep yep certainly yeah so well the sooner the better we'll get back to normal yes sir yep all right shall we move on to our quick news roundup yeah let's go so just one quick follow-up item to a story that we talked about a few weeks ago where the governor of osaka prefecture uh, Hirofumi Yoshimura claimed, <laughs> based on sort of scanty, to say the least, uh, scientific evidence, he yeah. claimed that iodine mouthwash could have benefits as a treatment for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. This caused uh, stocks of iodine mouthwash to be bought up everywhere, particularly around Osaka. And a man in Okayama Prefecture was arrested in the past week for reselling uh, iodine mouthwash at a large markup. He was technically actually arrested for uh, selling pharmaceutical products without a license. But according to the article I read, it referred to iodine mouthwash. And he sold about six bottles of it for around 26,000 yen in total. It's about $260, which Mm. was about five or six times the normal price. Okay. So, listeners beware if you're thinking of reselling anything, any masks or mouthwash or anything like that, you better think twice. Yep. You yeah, had another the, um, uh, mm. uh, with masks. Even though that's not a pharmaceutical product, they uh, they introduced legislation earlier this year to prohibit resale. Um, yeah. al- although technically resale is okay, as long as you don't mark it up. Mm. Yes, but then it kind of defeats the purpose of reselling it. So. Yeah, which, uh, exactly. Which kind of makes me wonder, though, like if you buy, like you know, because you see masks, they're, they're, the the shortages are are well behind us, so you can buy them pretty much anywhere now. But are all the ones we see on the shelves like is that at cost now? You know what I mean? Because it's illegal to mark it up, right? Mm, that is a very good question. Surely it's not at cost if it's in like a drugstore or a supermarket or something, right? They have to make. You would think so, yeah. But then isn't that kind of a weird double standard where like some people can mark it up, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know the ins and outs of the law, but it is... It does... It is an interesting question. Well, in any case, um, 
basically don't do it because uh, they'll hunt your ass down and they'll throw the book at you. Yes, sir. But uh, okay, so moving on. Um, so another follow-up article I found in the paper recently. Uh, before on this podcast, we talked about how in uh, northern Kanto area, so particularly like Gunma Prefecture, uh, which is about two hours north of Tokyo. Um, yep. There has been uh, there's there's a lot of farmland out there, and there has recently been a lot of theft of livestock, which uh, has been a mystery. Like who's stealing them, and like how are they laundering their pigs, basically? Uh, but recently, the uh, a couple days ago, the authorities have arrested four people in Guma Prefecture who are of uh, Vietnamese origin and they are here under the trainee visa program. And these four people were arrested uh, not directly for the theft of uh, pigs, but they were arrested for uh, butchering them in their apartment without... Uh, proper license um so maybe this will kind of lead them on the trail of where because there were a hell of a lot more than four pi or, uh there were like a good number of pigs stolen right from uh oh it was I a remember. huge number i think it was about 700 or so mm, yeah so hopefully this will lead them to maybe where the rest of the pigs went because i doubt they butchered all 700 in their apartment no surely yeah. not but so. yes, I mean, there was speculation in the article that we referred to when we talked about this, that it was perhaps members of the Vietnamese community. Mm -hmm. So it seems that those suspicions appear to be sort of, you know, on the right track at present. Yeah. So, yeah, they've uh, they caught some of the perps. Uh, so we'll see see where this leads them in their investigation. Yes, sir. Uh, and... Yep. Oh, so in another kind of recent news article, been the subject of some discussion this past week, the media here in Japan has been reporting that the government will ask companies to extend their New Year's holidays by around one week in order to lower the risk of coronavirus. Not exactly sure how giving people more holiday will lower the risk of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I think it just encourages them to travel more. Right, exactly. I mean, I think the idea is that, like, maybe people will tra travel in a more staggered kind of manner instead of... Oh, okay, okay. You know, what normally happens for listeners that aren't aware is that, you know... The big holiday time in Japan is New Year's, and typically right. people go. I mean, the standard, of course, there's many, many people that stay in Tokyo, but the, like the sort of stereotypical image is that you go back to your parents' home in whatever kind of local area you grew up in and maybe spend, mm. you know, a week or so there. And the government has asked, as I said, or is, is planning to ask, according to local media companies to extend this holiday so in that case people would have probably about two weeks holiday right 
if if companies did acquiesce to this demand. I, I think there's no suggestion that they will make it legal, but I, I think they will ask through these sort of economic bodies like um, Kedanen, it's called, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, these kind of organizations of companies. And then I'm sure that will put a lot of pressure on big companies to to follow through with this request. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be paid time off or... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It would seem like a tremendous loss for companies if they do just give everyone an extra week off. Or I guess they they might be able... I don't know if they can do this legally, but they'll try to... They'll strongly encourage all of their workers to use their vacation days. Mm, yeah. So, like, technically, yeah. you don't have to, but basically the, the peer pressure will be overwhelming, so you basically kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds one way they they might go about it. That sounds like the kind of way these things often work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, but you know, uh, I think generally speaking, people don't use their vacation days anyway. So, I don't know. Might be kind of a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But. As far as I'm aware, there's been no official announcement, so we'll keep listeners updated on whether we can all enjoy an extra week off. Mm-hmm. And do we, we had another story, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So we had another... Um, uh, so <laughs> Ferg, when we were chit-chatting before we started recording, said uh, Japan has the original cancel culture. Yes, well, sir. Well, uh, here's, an, here's another fun case. Well, not fun for the guy involved, but... Uh, so Kentaro Ito, which is he's 23, he's an up-and-coming actor, both on the stage and on the on the telly. And he had a couple of hits this past year. I guess this year was kind of his breakout year. From uh, I'm I'm not too familiar with the the showbiz, but uh, from what I've read, this year was kind of his breakout year. And uh, he debuted um, in 2018. So this guy, he's uh he's on top of his game, but um, a couple of days ago he was doing a U-turn, and so in Japan we drive on the left side of the road, and so he was you know turning right to do a U-turn, and he, apparently he uh, hit a motorcycle that was coming from the other the other direction, and Terrible. the uh, the guy. I guess there were two people riding on the motorcycle, which, I mean, is, is that, that's okay, right? I think that's okay. I mean, I'm not sure about the rules, but yeah. I think provided probably that the motorcycle is large enough or whatever, I think mm, it's okay. okay. So in any case, there were two people on the motorcycle and they uh, suffered some broken bones. I mean, nothing life-threatening, but mm. it got banged up pretty good. And so our uh, our boy... Mr. Ito, he uh, apparently he fled the scene. What? And um, someone who witnessed the incident uh, followed him. And this, this part's kind of weird, but he followed him and I guess got him to pull over at some point. And I'm, I'm just telling you what the article says, but it convinced, and then this person convinced him to go back to the scene of the crime. Okay. Which is just kind of strange, but uh, I don't know. In any case, so he he went back, but 
you know, it doesn't negate the fact that he made a run for it. So he has been uh, arrested mm. for uh, you know negligent driving or whatever it is. And now all of the companies and television stations that featured him are pulling everything. They're canceling yeah. all the programs. Canceling. Recall, yeah, recalling all the DVDs is like is it is as if he never existed. Lock him up. Yep. Which um, you know, we've talked about this phenomenon on here, I think at length before, but I I don't know. I just don't agree with the uh the way they go about things. Yeah, I mean it's difficult to imagine in the West, like someone even if someone was involved in a hit and run like that that you know they would kind of go to the lens of removing all the dvds and things from the shelves yeah it's like they remove any trace of that person in the entertainment industry yeah hmm. i mean that's it for him basically isn't it his career is screwed now yeah he's 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 finished i think um you know, he might come back in a couple of years, right? Maybe doing some like minor stuff. But I mean, as far as, you know, being a A-lister star, yeah, he's done. It's over. He's done, isn't yeah. he? So, well, you know, he he did fuck up, but, you know, best of luck to him as he tries to get his uh, get his life back together. I mean, obviously it doesn't sound good doing a U-10, but was he... Was it obviously clearly his fault, the U-turn, the accident? I don't know. It doesn't say. Mm. Must have been, I suppose, eh? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, un unless, I mean, it's possible he had a protected right turn and then the guy on the motorcycle ran, ran the light. I mean, it's possible, but yeah, it, it doesn't say, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, oh, well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would think, I mean, the fact that he's been arrested probably means the police are, you know, somewhat, I mean, aside from the fact that he made a run for it, they're somewhat confident that it was his fault to begin with. Mm. They're making a big fuss about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yep, best of luck. Yes, sir. And just the final item in our roundup of the major news in Japan uh, in this past week. Coronavirus, there has been 732 new cases in the past 24 hours leading up to the 28th of October. I mean, somewhat high, I suppose, but, you know, it's kind of been hovering around these kind of levels for a while now. Mm -hmm. The total yeah. is now 99,114. So we will soon be hitting 100,000 cases that ominous milestone mm. and well there the were... united states gets that many in like two days literally <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i guess it's not all bad and there were five deaths for a total of 1738 deaths mm. this number included 171 new cases in tokyo again unremarkable i suppose a similar kind of level to the levels that we've been seeing for a while now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just seems to be kind of going on recording new cases at a pretty steady rate but not particularly increasing or decreasing lately yeah 
And Suga mentioned, Suga the Prime Minister mentioned in a speech that the Japanese cabinet has agreed to provide coronavirus vaccines to the public for free. And they're hoping to do this by around mid-2021, which is quite an interesting date, I thought, because it's not super optimistic. And, and it is seems that like before, like, the Olympics? Or, well, exactly, right? <laughs> seems like it's cutting it a little bit close for the Olympics. Yeah. If we think that the Olympics is in August, probably the implication is that they're hoping to do it before the Olympics, but they're not openly saying that, perhaps. Right. I guess. I don't know. It's not entirely clear about yeah, how that relates to close. the Olympics. Mm. I did think it was a bit of an interesting date for them to choose. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it goes to show how much they're relying on the Olympics to, you know, boost morale in the in the public and hopefully boost the economy, you know. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, people have different views on the Olympics and, you know, some people are positive and some people are more negative or cynical. But, you know, I do think, as we've discussed on this podcast before, the tide has kind of turned a little bit and that even if everything goes without a hitch now, it won't be the great festival of sport and kind of unity and global celebration that it was ever, that it was supposed to be, you know. Yeah, I think now... It, it... It really just feels like they're kind of doing it because they have to. Yeah, exactly. Like, because they kind of have, it's almost like they have a contractual obligation to do it. So they're dragging their feet. Exactly. But they, yeah. I don't, there, there's no, especially just in, in the, in the public eye too. And like you mentioned, like there doesn't really seem to be any excitement around it anymore. No, certainly not in the same yeah. way that there was at the beginning of this year. Yeah, it seems to be more, um, uh, I think more concern more than anything. It was like, you know, is it really going to be okay with having all these people and then, uh, and then having people come into the country because, you know, people are aware that Japan has done a pretty good job of keeping the COVID at bay. But then, you know, when they open it up the country for all the athletes and the fans to come, from different places is it gonna you know cause issues there so just yeah i think a lot of worry and concern more than excitement and enjoy at this point yeah certainly and i think the difficult thing is as well listening to the politicians that you know the politicians especially people like yuriko koike the mayor of tokyo can't openly come out and say that they're not in favor of the olympics anymore because right of right you know, all the kind of political capital that they've invested now in the Olympics. So, but, you know, their their tone toward it does seem to have become a little bit more muted or a bit more cautious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think recently. If, if they could, if the politicians could just do whatever they wanted without concern for, like, you know, public perception or, or all that stuff, then I think all things being equal, I think most of them would just want to not do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, point. certainly. Yeah, yeah, but you know they kind of have to now. So, oh well. Right, yep. shall we move on to our main stories? All right, yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's see. I guess I'll go first. I have a. <laughs> it, it's it's funny, 
I mean, but people got injured, so it kind of sucks, but it's still kind of funny. So I found this article here on the 27th. So it's this past, uh, what is that, Tuesday in Fukuoka Prefecture, which is down south on the island of Kyushu, about an hour flight from Tokyo. The Japanese uh, Mediterranean. Yes, as you like to call it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced, but in any case, in Fukuoka, so three kids ages 16 to 19 were trying to get high off of snorting gas. Oh, dear. Um, what is that? Like, I guess it's natural gas. Oh, like, not like gasoline. I imagine. No, that. yeah, it's like it comes in like um, they use it for those little. Ah, oh God, what's it called? It comes yeah. in like it looks like a bottle, kind of, and you stick it in the thing. Yeah, yeah, you use it for the little burners, right? Yeah, the little burner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a gas canister. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So there was there were sniffing gas canisters, and in a you know a typical. I think small Japanese apartment. Oh, so dear. yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that that place was probably uh, pretty flammable. But everything was fine, I'm sure, afterwards, and they went on their merry way. No. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> so as they were snorting this, uh, these gas canisters, one of the kids decided it would be a great idea to have a smoke. So uh, he went to light a cigarette, and yeah, everything just uh, quite literally just blew up. Oh dear! And it, the fire, the ensuing fire destroyed that unit, and then the unit below, where just some you know random guy lives. So <laughs> they were snorting their their gas, and uh, some guy lost his home too. And oh, dear. Two, two of the three kids were injured. Uh, you know, they suffered some burns. Mm. And the authorities said from the burnt out husk of the apartment, they uh, recovered dozens of gas canisters. Dozens? Yeah, it says there were dozens, yeah. Wow. So probably 20, 30, 40. So they were, they were having a... Having a party up in there. Yeah. Astonishing, yeah. isn't it? Although maybe you need to like I, I I'm not uh too familiar with the uh the canister snorting, but maybe you need that many to get high? I don't know. I guess so, perhaps. Probably their judgment was somewhat impaired as well by the fact that they were sniffing gas and that was what led to them. Or well, one of them, you know, lighting up a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, true that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I suppose. But, yeah, my mm. first reaction was like these the Japanese kids, man. They need some uh, more, some safer ways of getting high. You know. Yeah, I suppose there wasn't much to do on a lazy Fukuoka afternoon, eh? Yeah, I was just just throwing a bag of weed, you know, and it's a lot safer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's debate, isn't there, about whether how safe weed is? But I think in this case, it's safer <laughs> yeah, than this sniffing case, gas, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and and I think uh, 
we were talking about this earlier too, b- before we started recording. But you were saying that uh, you're sniffing s- gas and stuff like that. It can actually kill you. Yeah, right? yeah, and, and it's mm. in rare cases. So, yeah, in rare cases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think at at the very least, you know, like weed isn't gonna straight up kill you on the spot mm. like this can. But although you have to be careful because you can overdose on weed, right? Like we read in that comic the oh, other yeah. week. Yeah, that's that's what the, <laughs> that's what the authorities tell me over here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. in Wakayama, the authorities in Wakayama. So yeah, but I think that also speaks to. You know, and you know, we say it kind of jokingly, but there really just aren't any uh, ways for you know kids or adults, for that matter, to to get high over here. It is concerning, isn't it? I mean, the the authorities have started to crack down on it, but a few years ago there was a big kind of fuss about these so-called legal highs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of them can actually be very dangerous because they're kind of you know, synthesized chemicals and you don't really know right. what's in them. Yeah. Tempting yeah. to rep- replicate drugs in ways that kind of evade the law. But ultimately, yeah, you don't you don't know what's in them and they can have dangerous side effects. And in one particularly notable case, I don't remember all the details because I don't have the story in front of me, but what was it? A man drove his car on the sidewalk and killed a number of people? Yeah, yeah. While he was like on his ass from taking these weird synthetic drugs yeah yeah exactly yeah so you know i think that is kind of the one of the sort of unexpected side effects perhaps of this these very strict drug laws yeah and and, yeah i don't know what's better but I, i think there there is an argument to be had for you know having milder forms of drugs such as marijuana um, available so you know just so people don't get into all these weird things that can have really bad effects on your body yeah and i mean now that it has been legalized in more places it is a bit easier to look at them and say you know well, what has been mm-hmm. the effect in you know, places like Colorado and things. And right, to be fair, right. it it doesn't seem to have resulted in a complete breakdown of society, right? Yeah, they, um, they seem to be doing okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was a, you know, there's not much to that story, but I just thought it was a, an interesting look into, you know, what kids have to do to, to get high. Yeah, certainly. And it, I mean, it is, as you said, it's interesting. We talked a bit about like the, how strict a lot of the, laws are concerning weed so it's kind of like an interesting sort of counterpart to that to see Mm -hmm, some of the ways how people get high instead yep all right so in the uh next item i wanted to talk about sort of about community spirit in japan but in particular in light of the ministry of health labor and welfare releasing their annual white paper on health, labor, and welfare. Oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, this report or this white paper is nearly 500 pages in length, oh and it doesn't make for the most fascinating reading. So I didn't go through it all, I'm afraid. You'll have to forgive me. 
but I just picked up a few things that I thought lazy, could... lazy. <laughs> well, I just picked up a, th- a few things that I thought maybe we okay. could discuss just from the first 300 pages or so so you'll have to forgive me for that all right just this <laughs> once yes sir so the survey it has some interesting stats in it i'm just going to give you a few and we can see if any of these surprise you every day in japan on average 2371 people are born and 3,784 people die. That's a 1,413 people difference on average. Wow, more so people dying than more wow, people so being born. So a net loss of 1,000 people a day? Well over 1,000 people. 1,400 wow. people. I mean, of yeah. course, that is slightly balanced by an influx of foreign people. You know, but certainly not enough to counter the de- the decline in the population as a result of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. difference between the number of people being born and the number of people dying. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to result in some pretty significant changes in Japanese society over the decades to come, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we'll get on to. But first, uh, cancer and heart disease are the biggest causes of death. I suppose that's kind of to be expected. Yeah, to be expected, yeah. Mm. If you had to guess, Kenzo, in one day in Japan, how many people do you think get injured at work? At work? Yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, a thousand? No, 344. Oh. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it is pretty good, yeah. Good old health and safety, eh? Although, I mean, does that include people who get injured, like, on their commutes? Oh, I'm not sure. I would imagine not. But, I mean, perhaps it does. But I don't I don't know. I couldn't tell you 100%, I'm afraid. Okay. Because, you know, that's something you hear about occasionally. That, you know, like someone, like, stumbled on the stairs at the station and, you know, broke his wrist on the way down or that kind of thing. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah we got in a traffic accident on mm, the way to it. Yep, yep. Mm. Uh, apparently, 1,641 couples, on average, get married each day in Japan. And oh, 571 good. get divorced. Oh. Well, that's not good. But it's still but a, a net gain of 1,000 couples a day? Yeah, exactly. That's good, that's good. The feel-good one... story. <laughs> Yes, in one day, men in Japan spend an average of one hour and twenty-three minutes on childcare, whereas okay. women spend an average of seven hours and thirty-four minutes Whoa. on childcare. So pretty much the entire, like, an entire workday. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. An hour for lunch and everything. <laughs> yes, sir. And that figure for men, one hour and 23 minutes on average, mm-hmm. is apparently one of the lowest uh, numbers among developed countries. So still got yeah. that traditional... It's very low, especially the gap is astonishing. Uh, yeah, certainly, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is coming from, you know, full-time housewives will sort of push up the figure on the woman's side, the average Mm, on the woman's side. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Even so, it's still quite startling, Yeah, even so, yeah. And every day on average, just to link it back to our previous story, 12.53 people are arrested for violations of marijuana laws and 23.92 people are arrested for violations of stimulants laws. So about 12 or 13 people arrested each day on average for violations of drug, of marijuana laws and about 24 people arrested for violations of stimulants laws. So there's twice as many people for stimulants as marijuana. Yes, sir. Wow. Exactly, yes. I guess just because it's easier to import like powders and stuff than it is for plants maybe or because i mean it it would seem to signify that there's just more of it around yeah that is a very interesting question and i think we maybe touched on it when we talked about uh weed in our previous episode but stimulants they have a more kind of deep-rooted place i suppose in japanese drug culture in some ways like Mm. When you hear about people being arrested, in recent years, there have been some celebrities arrested for weed, but it tends to more often be stimulants, doesn't it? Kakuseza, as they call it in Japanese, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I guess it's mainly like speed and amphetamines and things like that, but it could also be cocaine, I suppose. Probably that would be classed in the same category. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, cocaine as well, yeah. But uh, in like the post-war years, I think it was actually legal for a time these sort of drugs and it sort of you know some people started using them and then they became illegal but because of the fact that people had started using them it you know it had its its place so to speak like Mm. i've heard anecdotally that among certain professions their use was somewhat widespread like especially among sort of manga artists of like the 50s and 60s and 70s their use was widespread really? because, yeah, because a lot of them were living in like very poor conditions and things. And, you know, they could take stimulants and then stay up all night drawing, you know, sort of which they had to work very hard just to get by. So it yeah, kind of helped yeah. them in that respect. And then it became like a kind of cultural thing from what I understand. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I do think, mm, I think stimulants just have a bit more of a kind of established place in Japanese drug culture, perhaps. Maybe that's just my impression, but it is an interesting sort of question. Yeah. I like I, I do get that vibe from like that you've just talked about. That it just mm. seems more Yeah. Like I'm I'm more common, I guess. It's and I and I would presume the access is maybe a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you were to go looking for it, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it includes meth as well. Don't know. Probably. Yeah, probably, although I guess that's maybe slightly uncommon. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare, they also released forecasts for the year 2040 in the future when we will all be driving in flying cars. (laughs) 
the the flying cars that drive themselves. Yes, sir. So they're expecting the population to be around 111 million at that time, which sounds kind of optimistic to me, and I'll explain why in a minute. But this compares with 126 million today in 2019. Okay. So that is a, a quite noticeable decline of 15 million, which obviously is not really what you want in a capitalist society, right? When it's based on right. growth. You know, an aging population and a declining population is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And they expect around 35% of the population to be over the, to be 65 years old or over. And this compares with 28% in 2019. So that's an increase of about 6%. Mm. And just 12% in 1989. So in 1989, only 12% of the population were over 65, and they're expecting that to be 35% by the year 2040. Hmm. But as I said, I think their predictions are somewhat optimistic, even though they have, even though they're forecasting that decline, because they're expecting the birth rate actually to recover uh, to 1.43 from 1. 36 in 2019 uh, i don't how are they reaching that conclusion right it's it's pretty i mean you know they're kind of saying like well the effect of all like government initiatives and things like that but no i mean seeing as how it's been steadily trending downward i can't see it you know increasing yeah i think at best it'll level off exactly right yeah but i don't see how it would trend back upward exactly i mean the dangerous thing is that you know as we have like this kind of changing demographic breakdown and changing like population of japan like we're going to have more old people so there's a greater burden on like the welfare services and things yeah, but it's not yeah. just that it's like it hits you on two sides as well because you'll have less workers proportionately supporting them Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do expect the number of... Fo uh, sorry, the number of foreign laborers has increased from around just a bit under 500,000 in 2008 to about 1.6 million in 2019, of which I am one. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that is a... It's kind of like a three uh, times three, 300% uh, increase. But I'm not sure if that's if that is ba baked into their forecasts because they don't forecast the number of what they expect, like the population of foreign workers to be in 2040. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I expect it probably is. And, you know, comparatively speaking, in the grand scale of the population as a whole, it's not that large, really. It's about 1% of the population yeah, as a whole. yeah. So I'm not sure how much effect that can have. Certainly the birth rate is the main issue. Mm -hmm. And in the survey, also, I thought you might be interested to hear, they found that 79% of people owned a smartphone in 2018. Okay. They don't have a forecast for 2040, for 2040, but they did compare that number with 1989 when... Zero people had a smartphone they found. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, hmm? 
they found they found that uh, incredibly there has been a 79% increase in the number of people owning smartphones compared with uh, 1989. Yeah, because when... we had smartphones in 1989. <laughs> well, you can tell that to the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare. Well, so they actually wrote that with like a straight face. <laughs> okay, I, I have to admit, I'm I'm presenting it in perhaps a more humorous fashion. Okay, then. okay. It's like they have a column of how things were in 1989 and how things are in 2019 and how they yeah. expect things to be in 2040. And the in that particular row, it's blank for 2040 because they don't have a forecast. It says 79% in the 2019 column and it says 0% in the 1989 column. And so there's only three data points? Yeah, only three data points. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. But yeah, just going back to the sort of the changing demographic nature, because that's kind of like the main focus, I guess, of the story today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we are kind of, according to the results of this white paper, we are heading towards an age where an increasing number of people are going to live to old age and particularly very old age. Yeah. They expect their average lifespan to increase by about two years, um, you know, over the next 20 years or so to 2040. Mm. And they expect 40% of men to live to the age of 90 or higher and 20% of women to live to the age of 100 or higher. I mean, if you think about 20% of all women living to be 100 years or older, that's, you know, quite astonishing, really. Yeah, yeah. They, interestingly enough as well, people like society's perception of elderly people has changed, it seems, over the past, you know, few decades. Mm -hmm. So in 1999, 25% of people considered an elderly person in Japanese, Koresha, to be someone who was aged 75 or older, 25% of people. So yeah. the implication there is that 75% of people would consider Koresha to be someone who is younger even than 75, perhaps. Right, right, right. Like probably 60 or 65 mm -hmm. years older. Whereas in 2014, that number had increased to about 49%. So it huh. means it means that 49% of people thought a core ratio was someone who was 75% or 75 years old or older. Right, so, right. Uh, so only about half of people by that time considered someone between the ages of like, say, 60 and 75 or 65 and 75 to be elderly, which yeah. I, that is one thing I do think makes sense that, you know, as pe people nowadays are healthier at age 65 than they were you know, in previous decades. So right. although there's kind of like a lot of negative feeling often about toward the idea of raising the retirement age, and rightly so in some ways, because, you know, if you've worked for your whole career with the expectation that you're going to retire at a certain age, it's very difficult if that age is suddenly raised and you know you have to work for an extra five years or whatever. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, people are living longer lives, they're healthier. There's maybe no reason why people shouldn't work for longer contribute to society for longer yeah i i feel the same way um i i i feel the um uh 
the notion that you know the retirement age is the static number like in and of itself is kind of a flawed concept yeah like it it should be more fluid just based on just I don't just to throw a number out there maybe you know the last 20% of your expected life should be in retirement or whatever then you know you should retire you know statistically then you should retire at an age that is you know 20% before you're expected to die yeah and uh, they did also they had you know because it's not just about like age like this number right it's also about how fit you are and how healthy you Mm -hmm. are yeah that's true Mm. and they did like they measured like the strength of people in this survey and they found that on average these days people who are in their late 70s are almost as physically healthy and as physically strong as people who were in their late 60s a decade ago really or just, i think it, or a couple of decades ago right so, so just in the span of a couple of decades we've already come that far as far as um you know raising the the healthy life expectancy as well yeah yeah exactly yeah mm. so they were stronger than people in their early 70s and almost as strong as people in their late 60s yeah yeah people in their late 70s today compared with people you know a couple of decades ago right right which you know i did think that was quite interesting i mean of course it is like there's a kind of diminishing returns thing here you know like you can't just keep raising people's average lifespan and things mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and people's healthy lifespans you know indefinitely but yeah, it does yeah. seem like there's still room for people to maybe work for longer and to live healthier lives for longer mm-hmm well, one um, thing too that I just find kind of weird is, um, and, the, and the same goes, I, I think, in the West as well, but like that there is like a retirement age. Like, yeah. I don't really understand that. Like, like the, the way I see it, so I, I'm working now and, you know, I'll be working for however long. And isn't that like some a decision that you make on your own? Right. Yeah. I mean, in in the sense of when you're entitled to receive like a government pension, it makes sense. But it shouldn't. Yeah. But I do mm-hmm. agree that it shouldn't be like a thing where okay, you have to leave the company now because you're yeah. this age. It seems like you know, let's say I'm working until let's say I, I'm fifty, and I feel like hey, I got enough money in the bank, like I've I've done pretty well. I'm just gonna retire, and then you retire, and then on the flip side, you know, maybe someone who hasn't done as well. I mean, it has to work until they're 70, you know, they hit 70 and they're like, okay, I think I'm good now. I don't have to work. And then they, then they quit. Yeah. But yeah, this whole idea of, um, like you said, for like government, you know, like social security type stuff. I mean, there's really no other way to go about it. So I think it's fine to have certain, you know, you can start receiving benefits at, you know, X, Y, Z age. Um, but as far as, yeah, like just working in, the private sector like it is yeah to have a certain age you know essentially age limits on how long you can be at the company is just kind of strange i mean from the company's perspective as well you know if you if you've got a guy that you know he's you know he's turning 65 but 
he's still on top of his game and he's doing very well, you know, for the company, he's providing the company with a lot of value, then I would think you would want to keep him around un- until he want until he wants to leave at least. Oh, certainly, yeah. Instead of being forced to cut him loose when he hits sixty-five. Mm. Oh yeah, especially as in many cases these will be like the more experienced workers, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's one thing that I never really understood about the way uh, the the private sector anyway operates over here. Hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I do agree with that. The population, actually. So I mentioned that in their forecast, they're expecting it to hit around, uh, what was the number that I said? Around 111 million in 2040. Mm -hmm, They do have slightly long-term forecasts and they do also have a kind of bad situation where if the growth, if the birth rate, sorry, doesn't uh, improve, Mm-hmm. And in that case, they expected to hit around 92.8 million in the year 2060 and wow. 53.4 million. So a decrease of well over half by the Whoa. year 2110. 2110. That's a shame I won't be around to see that. <laughs> Do you not think? They'll have our brains in jars, right? Like in future armor. And oh be, yeah, that'd be great. around. <laughs> yeah, because it would be it would be great to experience this country without all of the crowdedness. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, it'll be significantly less crowded if it does. The population does hit 50, 53 yeah. million. Although knowing how things usually go, probably it will be even more crowded in like Tokyo and Osaka, and everywhere else will just be more empty. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Hmm. So as as part of like the changing kind of makeup of society as well, they're expecting in addition to an aging society that the like the ties of community, I suppose you might say, are going to get weaker. And mm-hmm. as part of that, their average household size has been has been decreasing steadily and is expected to decrease further. You know, part of this is that people traditionally maybe would have three generations living in the same house right like yeah yeah kids parents and grandparents living all together was kind of like a stereotypical model but that model is becoming less and you know you see it less and less right right so in 1989 you had an average of 2.99 people per household in by this year, twenty uh, sorry, by 2019, the survey was just released like this past week, but it the, all the data in it relates to last year, 2019, because yeah, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. They, you know, they had to collect responses and then sort of do their analysis or whatever. And they, this year, sorry, in 2019, it was 2.33 people. And then by 2040, they expect that number to be 2.08. Wow. So a decrease of nearly a whole person in average household size. And they expect the number of single people households to be around 39% of the total in 2040. Hmm. So, you know, 
almost 40% of the total they expect to be single person households. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you combine that with the aging population, it's a kind of a ticking time bomb because what it basically boils down to is having more elderly people living alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, so these are like kind of vulnerable people who maybe need help with their day-to-day -day lives. I mean, that'll be us, eh, Kenzo? Yeah, it will. <laughs> we'll be one <laughs> of the, we'll be in those uh, those worrying statistics, but you know, people will have fewer and fewer people to turn to for help right. in their daily life. So, in 2017, the number of people who answered, you know, in response to a survey that they had someone they could turn to for a little for a little help in their day-to-day -day life was seven uh, sorry the number of people who answered that they did not have someone they could turn to for a little help okay on average across all respondents was 7.4 percent however for single elderly men this number was 30.1 percent wow so about a third about a third of single yeah. elderly men have no one to turn to if they need a little bit of help. And the total number of households were, is expected to increase from about 1.6 million households who didn't have anyone they could turn to for help mm -hmm. in 2015 to 2.3 million in 2040. Wow. So just very quickly, because we're kind of running out of time a bit, but, yeah. uh, you know, as an example of kind of, you know, measures that we might see coming up in future, you know, as kind of society adapts to this changing the demographic makeup, mm -hmm. um, the Asahi Shimbun reported on a kind of line service that sends you a message every two days. And if you don't reply within 24 hours, then it starts, it sends you another message, sorry, that you have three hours to reply to. And if yeah. you don't reply to that one, to the second message, then they start calling your family. Well, it sounds like one of my psycho ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Dude, these are the measures we have to live with. <laughs> it's provided by the MPO. Uh, enrich for free and you know i can absolutely see this kind of like the first few times you're like this is good i need this i'll use it and then you forget and then all of a sudden you know you have people calling up to check that you're okay yeah yeah but it's actually this kind of a sad story about how it was started the uh the representative uh, isao kono I think is his name. I'm not 100% sure of the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. But he found his brother dead in his apartment. Oh. Oh, no, sorry. He didn't find it. His brother was found by someone, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, presumably the police or whoever. But apparently uh, he, although he was only 51 years old, he lived alone and he didn't have a lot of contact with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And according to the police, he had been uh, dead for about a week before he was found so pretty mm -hmm, sad story mm -hmm. and it inspired the representative to kind of make this line service there is um 
you know, the Japanese have this word for it. You kind of hear the word karoshi, right? Sometimes now in Western media, right? Which means yeah, yeah, yeah. death from overwork. There is another word called like kodokushi, which means like uh, dying alone, basically. Dying alone, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a bright and happy podcast this week, but yeah. <laughs> dying alone. Uh, so the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare apparently don't keep statistics on the total number of people dying alone in Japan. But mm-hmm. according to Tokyo, there were 5,513 such deaths in Tokyo in 2018. Mm-hmm. And they class this, they class a dying alone as a kind of death. Well, like not by natural causes. I mean, not. I think that doesn't mean that they've been murdered. It means like, you know, someone has a stroke or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in a single person household at home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so 5,000 such 5,500 such deaths in Tokyo in 2018 so pretty worrying eh yeah it seems like instead of the, this line thing mm. and I, I understand they probably just want to keep it simple but mm. it, was, it seemed like there there should be like a better solution than that like I, I just thought of uh, maybe it's like an app where because I th- I think I think, generally speaking, people check their phones at least once a day, right? Mm. Just to check their check the weather or, you know, set an alarm or whatever the case may be. So just have this app that runs and it just detects whether the phone has been moved, you know? Oh, that's a good idea, isn't it? You yeah. know, whether it's been actually picked up. And if yeah. it doesn't get picked up for longer than 24 hours, then it sends an alert to... Know, a family member or something yeah and, yeah that's uh, an interesting you know, idea because one way of doing it is like with it like uh a, like a gps kind of solution but then mm. you know I, I mean i personally i don't i think that's a bit of a privacy concern right i mean i, w- I wouldn't want my my children knowing where i'm going 24 7 true and you also know? i mean what if you decide to just spend the day in bed or something well, yeah exactly yeah but um, if it's just, you know, whether the phone has been picked up or not, then I don't think there's really too much in the way of privacy concerns or that kind of thing. So would work pretty well, I think. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see how, you know, these kind of new services and things are developed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if we were entrepreneurial types, we could get into recruitment in the healthcare sector. Yeah. There is going to be a lot of money to be made in, you know, dealing with these types of issues that are going to become more and more important as the population ages. Yeah. And it did say that as well in the survey, like the you know, the one that we've been talking about, that they expect the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare expects the, you know, total spending on healthcare to increase significantly as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So kind of maybe not the jolliest of topics, but I mean, it is very important. And Japan is kind of like, for better or worse, it's kind of ahead of many other countries in this respect, right? Yeah, it's the world leader in aging population. (laughs) Right. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, many other kind of developed countries can look to Japan and see, you know, a worrying image maybe of where they'll be in about 20 or 30 years, right? Mm, Right, right. 
So, but it is going to affect all of our lives. Yep, in one way or another, for sure. Over the decades to come, eh? Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we'll be here at The Real Japan to keep you company, eh? Yep, we will be here in, <laughs> yeah. in 2040, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, well, on that note, I guess uh, we'll, uh, we'll call it. It's been about an hour. So, um, as always, if you want to continue the conversation, find us on our socials. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram. Our username is RealJapanGuys for both of those. Uh, you can check out our website at thereal.jp or email us at mail at thereal.jp. And find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And with all that being said, we will see everyone again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.